Welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Jade Belexa. We're taking an in-depth look at what may be causing your legs to ache. And joining me now to discuss peripheral vascular disease is cardiologist Dr. Britton Eves of willis Knighton Cardiology. Thank you so much for being here today, doctor. Hey, thanks a lot for having me here. It's an important topic and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Sure is. And on that note, I want to remind our viewers to call in with your questions at 318-219-4569 throughout the broadcast. Now, let's get started. Tell us, what is peripheral vascular disease? I really want to divide today into two categories. Uh, peripheral arterial disease, which is a disease that is caused by blockages in the arteries that uh, supply some of the tissues of the body. Primarily what we're talking about today, of course, is the lower extremities, um, the legs. Really, we don't, we don't see that much in the arms uh, for whatever reason. And then I uh, want to spend a little brief time talking about venous disease, which is uh, obstruction usually from a clot in the venous system uh, that prevents blood from returning to the heart and causes aching legs and swelling and so forth. Mm, okay. So tell us, obviously, one of the symptoms is the ache in legs. Right. So how do you know if it's maybe not just uh, something else? I mean, okay. how, how do you identify that? That's a good question. You know, uh, probably about 40% of uh, patients uh, don't have the classic symptoms. The classic symptoms of having decreased blood flow to your leg, which is really what we're talking about, would be somebody that they... Uh, let's say they walk a certain distance and by the time they get to that distance they have to stop because their their calf muscle is cramping or burning and they they have to sit down and rest until it begins to release and then they go on about their business. That would be the classic, that's called claudication. But some studies have shown as many as 40% of people don't experience that. And what they experience is their legs feel, feeling quote tired or heavy or they just can't walk as much or um, another uh, uh, because a large segment of these patients also have other comorbid diseases such as diabetes mellitus sometimes they have neuropathies where they don't have complete sensation of their legs and sometimes those patients will present with wounds or ulcers on their feet or toes that are slow to heal and mm. we can talk a little bit about that later on as well so. absolutely so how does, how does one get treated for this? Well, the first thing you want to know if you're, you're at risk for it, uh, as you get older, of course, just like with everything else, you're going to be more likely to develop any type of disease. But patients who are particular risk for the peripheral arterial disease are those who smoke, those who have hypertension, those who have elevated cholesterol, and those who have diabetes. And then also, if you have a family history of somebody who's had blockages, then, then that would be a concern as well. Uh, venous disease, a little bit more uh, complicated. It can kind of, kind of strike out of nowhere. But a lot of times, uh, we can really divide it into two types. Uh, patients uh, who have, in medical school, we learned it as Virchow's triad. If you have a history of having blood clots, you know, you had some other documented blood clot, you're more likely to develop blood clot in your leg. If you've had trauma to your veins, then that might be from a car wreck, some type of, you know, injury that you've had. Or if you have had stasis, and that's something we really need to be aware of. Uh, it happens a lot of times after surgery when some, somebody is uh, laying in the bed recovering from a surgery. 
um, that can allow the blood to pool in the legs and cause a blood clot. And if those blood clots migrate to the heart, they can cause what we, uh, what we call a pulmonary embolism, and those are often fatal, unfortunately. And there's a fairly, you know, some steps that we can do to delay, delay that. Also, people who are at risk should know that if they're on long trips, um, like on a long airplane, international flight, you know, get up and walk around. You just want to get that blood pumping through the legs and moving back to the heart. Okay, because my aunt always told me when I'm driving on long trips to get up and walk around. So there's truth to that. There's She's not just truth. telling me that. And the most simplistic, uh, you know, so let's say you're at home doing, sur you know, recovering from surgery. The easiest thing that you do, and actually, uh, I had a knee replaced with two months, I was two weeks say, ago. I was be careful. So just doing your feet like this. The calf muscles are the pumps mm -hmm. that pump the venous blood back to the back to the heart. So if you just do that, that'll help keep the, the blood circulating and lower your risk. Okay, wow, that's incredible information. So when should uh, when should I c be concerned about pain with exercise? Well, pretty much if you begin to have, you know, you probably should start off talking to your primary care doctor. I mean, you certainly could have. A joint problem, you could have a muscle problem, multitude of other things. But if you have a, uh, some of the risk factors that we talked about, there's a pretty simple. Uh, the first thing is to have your doctor see if they can feel the pulses of your feet, which is just like the pulse on your arm. You have a, you have uh, places on your foot that we can feel the pulses, and that's a basic little screen. And then also we can measure the blood pressure in the arm and the blood pressure in the foot. That's called a arterial brachial index and that's another good screen and then we have some other non-invasive things uh, ultrasounds to see if there's any blockages mm -hmm. and that would be for the for the venous and the arterial diseases we have uh, ultrasounds we can do for the venous I would say the number one thing um, that would bring me to my doctor if I thought I had a blood clot that had formed because those can be fatal as I've said before if you develop sudden onset are fairly, you know, of one leg versus the other. When we have both legs involved, that usually, not always, but can indicate more of a systemic problem, maybe uh, too much salt, too much fluid in our body, other things we don't have time to talk to about in this segment. But if you have one leg that is suddenly more swollen than the other leg, you should certainly less have a physician evaluate it uh, to make sure you don't have a blood clot there because they actually can develop uh, kind of, you know, even uh, people sometimes on a long car ride, just like your aunt told you, it does happen. Mm -hmm. we, we see it in truck drivers sometimes. Yeah, because they're, they're driving for hours and hours at a time. Uh, where do these blood clots often develop in the legs? I mean, are you talking about the, the calves or the thigh? Well, or? so we're talking about uh, the arterial blood clots can start all the way all from the, way the artery here. all the way down. Sometimes uh -huh. we, have, we have to do some sophisticated stuff and actually even go in and rebuild the artery. The good news is um, science has advanced so much, we still uh, utilize our surgical colleagues all the time, but a lot of what I do, or everything that I do, is done through a uh, catheter. So it's not surgery per se. There's no uh, putting on a breathing machine, uh, making incisions all done through a catheter. But as far as the uh, uh, blood clots in the legs, the one uh, distinction I will make, um, because 
You know, we, this is a, an area of, of becoming more and more interest. More physicians are spending more time treating these kind of things. So if you have a blood clot below your knee, there's probably a 90% chance that that will resolve with blood thinners and follow up with your physician uh -huh. and not be a danger. If you have a blood clot above your knee, then there's only about a 50% chance that that'll completely resolve with blood thinners. And uh, again, we, we, I could obviously talk for a long time on this, but there are other things, venous compression syndromes and so forth. But anyway, if it's above your knee, you should probably uh, ask your primary care doctor to send, send to, to somebody like me or other people in the community that are doing uh, more intensive venous evaluations and treatments because we can actually stent the, the veins as well and we also have devices that can uh, aspirate or suck the clot out and so there are a lot of things we can do because if this if it's above the knee there's only a 50% chance that it'll be completely treated long term and you can end up with long term swelling and achy legs as we said. Mm -hmm. Do those clots come back? Can they come back? They can. Once uh, you, know, you know, again, uh, all of these diseases are multidisciplinary. Mm -hmm. So what we usually do, we ask our colleagues uh, in Hemoc to evaluate and see, you know, was this just a one-time thing from uh, being stasis or you know sitting up still or trauma, or is this a underlying problem with the blood clotting cascade? And so, you know, but usually they'll have to be on blood thinners for a while. Mm -hmm. So that's a new area, but we do a lot of treatment for peripheral arterial disease as well. I do tons of that. Okay, let's let's talk about that some more. Um, okay, what what sort of treatments are offered for for that for the peripheral arterial disease? Oh gosh, uh, we have so many tools, and I have a, a laser. I have a, a devices that spin a uh, hundred thousand revolution a minute, the little saws and dimes that pulverize things. We have uh, uh, balloons, we have uh, drug eluding balloons that, that when we blow the balloon up, releases a drug that uh, prevents scar tissue from forming. So we have a lot of tools in the toolbox and uh, the, the most gratifying thing though, which really, you know, start off as a cardiologist, the most <coughs> biggest thing that really made me feel passionate about this. <clears throat> a lot of times, you know, we, we fix somebody's heart attack, obviously it impacts their life and they feel good, but they go back to the way they were before and all that. And before they had their heart attack, it a lot of times wasn't something that impacted them every day. They didn't run around with all this chest pain. It was something out of the blue, then it got fixed and went back to their life. When you have a patient, you know, that every time they walk out to their mailbox, they have to stop before they walk back and because their calves hurt and you fix that. We, we have patients sometimes that have to, uh, at night they have to hang their uh, legs off the side of the bed to allow gravity to pull enough blood flow down mm -hmm. there so they can get sleep. If you can fix that and certainly if you restore blood flow for somebody, some diabetic that has a wound that's failing to heal and the surgeon is saying, listen, this doesn't get healed, we're gonna to have to take your leg. You can do that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean, it's, you know, many people in this community do this kind of work and I'm sure feel exactly the same way, so it's not about me. 
not what I'm trying it's to say. It's about improving someone's I'm just quality saying, I'm of just life. Saying that, right. I'm, I'm, I, That's uh, got to be rewarding to you. I'm like every, everybody else. You know, we, <laughs> all, we all get up some mornings and are, are grumpy, and some days we're not. But I feel very fortunate to, to be in a profession that I can do something. And then, you know, you get so excited someday to <clears throat> see somebody back in clinic. How you doing? And they're like, oh, my God, I, I, did, I didn't realize I was doing as bad as I was. So it's, it can be very gratifying. Mm -hmm, exactly. How has the technology changed? Are you, are you seeing new technology in your field? Oh, tons of new t technology. You know, m medicine in general is really advancing. Gosh, when I first started out, <clears throat> we talk about this sometime. Boy, there were long cases, and we had limited tools to do them with. And uh, so it's, it's gotten much better, mm -hmm. much better. Thankfully, there's much smarter people out me than me making new things to to help us all out and make us look smarter, even if we're not. So, yeah, the advancements are are so vital to to your profession and, and making people's lives so much better. Right. So, um, well, let's get back to to the to the legs and the swelling and, okay. and all that because I know uh, people out there probably have a lot of questions on that. Um, what about swelling in legs, particularly one more than the other? Um, talk about that feeling and okay. what people need to know about that. Okay. So let's, let's say you, uh, you had a surgery or, or actually sometimes, you know, um, people will uh, get sick. You know, we saw uh, during the COVID epidemic there definitely was a uh, some uh, association with uh, thrombosis. That means clot formations. We saw a, a lot of patients during that time as well. But sometimes, so you could have somebody uh, even recovering from something like pneumonia or something. You know, let's say they went home and they'd just been pretty sick, didn't feel good, kind of, you know, say, you know what, I'm gonna take a little time. I'm gonna prop up here on the recliner, prop up in the bed and, and get to feeling better and that goes on for three or four days. It can be that simple. So what you would have is a, a swollen leg, one more than the other, not always, but that implies that it's not a systemic, not a body issue, it's a local issue. Mm -hmm. So the one leg swells up, uh, many times it'll be warm to the touch compared to the other extremity, more swollen, oftentimes it'll be red in appearance, and sometimes there'll be uh, there can be pain associated, particularly if you squeeze. And so it's pretty easy to to uh, you know go see. You could, I'm sure, go to Quick Care, whatever. Pretty easy for somebody to assess it and say, let's get an ultrasound, which is the same thing, uh, same technology. You know, in uh, OBGYN, the 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 docs look at the babies with. We use that to look at the arteries and the veins and also the heart, and that can be pretty quickly tell us whether there's a clot there or not. Yeah, wow, that's that's amazing because, yeah, you definitely know because, I mean, a, a blood clot, that that can kill you. Absolutely. So you definitely want to take precautions if, if you're feeling that way or, or right. notice a, a difference in, in your legs. Yeah. Um, what about those blisters you were talking about earlier or, or sores that are slow to heal? Okay. Tell us about that. You know, that's a particular, uh, we mentioned before the people that had the risk factors and had, uh, you know, difficulty in exercising and walking. And for sure, they should mention that to their uh, primary care doctor 
and so that can be worked up and evaluated. But what you're talking about really is a, is a critical issue. Many times the people, that, again, that we're talking about uh, may have neuropathy, which is a condition where the, the nerves of the lower extremities cause burning and tingling and a lot of times cause numbness. Um, that can cause a, a multitude of things, but it also happens in diabetes and so forth. Anyway, a classic scenario that we'll see, we'll see a patient that let's say maybe had some shoes that just didn't fit properly or maybe they had a rock in their shoe or something like that or maybe they scuffed their foot on something and you know they're just the type of person oh it's going to get better I don't need to go to the doctor right now and then it continues on some of those people don't have enough sensation to even really know how significant it is anyway the bottom line is if these wounds don't don't have enough blood flow to heal then of course it becomes necrotic or gangrenous and it has, the tissue has to be removed. But here's what I think a lot of people don't realize if you have severe circulation, it has to be removed to a point where there is good enough circulation for the surgical wound to heal. So that's a big deal. Sometimes you know it may be a sore on the toe, but there may not be good blood flow up until the knee. Mm -hmm. Now the good news is on that, you know, there are multitudes of ways. Usually, I get a call and say, hey, there's this person <clears throat> that has a wound here. You know, it looks pretty bad, you know, but before we set them up for an amputation, because that's really what we're talking about. People still lose their legs, even now. Um, they say, can you do a, a look at them, see if there's a way to reestablish blood flow. Um, there's no cure for peripheral vascular disease and sometimes even sometimes in these severe cases the work that we do doesn't stay permanent. The good news is though it as long as it's open long enough for the wound to heal it takes less blood flow to keep the skin intact than it does to heal the wound. So anyway so, you know some there's a wide spectrum there are people who who have uh, decreased exercise utilization of their legs when they exercise and then there are patients who are at, the, at risk for losing their legs. There's a big spectrum in there, but there's a multitude of things that we can do. Mm. And myself and other people in this community as well are very passionate about it. My goal is to, you know, if somebody's going to lose their leg, it's because the good Lord said, you're losing your leg. <laughs> Barring that, we are, we are full, full bore head. Um, so it's really important to just be in tune with your body and go to the doctor when you notice something right. wrong. I, I would tell for sure all diabetics as a rule of thumb, and I say all, you know, sometimes people have sort of the, the mild diabetes and, you know, but a true person who's really suffering from diabetes, they should make a daily routine if they could do one thing every day, whether they do it or their spouse or loved one, every day when they take their shoes and socks off, have somebody just give a quick once over to look at their look at their foot, see if there's any wounds there. I'm, I'm sure people are, I'll just say though, keep your feet clean and dry and inspect them daily. And if there's a, a, a wound there, go to your primary care doctor and, and have them look at it. Mm -hmm. but that, that would keep a lot of people out of trouble right there. We actually have people that have bad enough neuropathy uh, their feet are cold because they don't get enough blood flow and they'll unfortunately they'll put their foot close to a heater to, in an attempt and come in with 
sometimes third degree burns. That's how significant the, the loss of sensation can be. So it's very important for people with significant diabetes to, to examine their feet. And I will say too, I work, you know, I mentioned multidisciplinary, I work very close with the podiatrist. In fact, I get a lot of times the podiatrist will call me because they'll be doing something on the foot and say, look, we don't really feel good pulses here. We're concerned about the blood flow. Work very closely with the wound care doctors with the same, for the same reason. And how or why do, do calves ache or, or, or people get tired when they, when they walk? Well, it's a supply and demand, you know, mm -hmm. so the blood flow is designed to bring oxygen, which is the primary, and then other, other nutrients such as glucose, you know, to provide energy and, and then, of course, electrolytes that make the cells themselves contract. And so if any of that is decreased, there's a certain curve, need, demand versus need, and once, once the two become a mismatch, that's when you start having the symptoms. That's what happens, okay. So Mark is on the phone. Mark, thank you for calling. What is your question? Um, my question was, um, I, 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 I got uh, swelling in my right uh, ankle uh, every now and then, um, like if I walk, uh, put a good bit, and I, um, and, and and my knees hurt a lot. Um, I hurt to the point that I, uh, I I have to rest them for a couple of days before I can get back on them. Mm -hmm. Real real good, and I'm just trying to find out. I had an ultrasound, two ultrasounds done on them, though so far, and I had a back surgery a, uh, a few months back. And I'm just trying to call and see um, what could it be but yes, that, because they checked your for, ultrasounds were both for uh, a block. your ultrasounds were both Maybe. normal. They said your blood flow was good. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it they, really they sounds like just in. I mean, just based on the two sentences you're you're giving me, uh, you know, not knowing you're not knowing the, your history with it being your ankle and it's every couple of days and then you mentioned your knee and then you've had back surgery I would suspect mm -hmm. that you know probably uh, most of this is significant arthritis you know but follow up with the primary if you've had normal uh, ultrasounds that show normal blood flow you know those mm -hmm. are so good it'd be highly unlikely that this is a uh, you know from decreased blood flow to your legs is most likely a, a problem with arthritis. Bad arthritis in it. Yeah, because I have to rest it. I mean, you know, I have to keep it uh, like level with my, uh, you know, cocked up like in a, in a recliner or something. Right. Uh, before it go, before my yes, ankle sir. goes back down, you know, for yeah. a couple of days. Well, yeah, and particularly if it's just one ankle and it's just at the ankle Mainly what I'm talking about, leg swelling, is really uh, usually from an area from the knee down and primarily the calf muscle itself having the majority of the swelling. Usually if the swelling is at the level of a joint space, not always, but most likely it is arthritis. Okay. Okay, well I had to check with y'all. Oh, absolutely, and sir. And I seen the doctor. 
the doctor on TV, you know. Uh-huh. I right. think that he was in uh, the, uh, what do you call it, Ramopoly, or <laughs> I'm not pronouncing it right, but. Um, oh, cardiomyopathy? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, people uh, can get leg swelling from that as well, and that's associated with congestive heart failure. But they'll typically get swelling in both legs that is fairly equal because that's just a, a matter okay. of the gravity pulling down the excess fluid, and so both legs swell, but they're they're pretty much equal usually in that disease. Yeah, it's mainly in my ankle and my foot, you know. Yes, sir. It's where it's at. So, but anyway, I wanted to get y'all's, uh, you know, uh, y'all in. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for and, calling, uh, and I hope you get some get some diagnosis and get some treatment and some relief. Thank you, Mark. That was a good question, because the so it would mostly be the swelling in your calf, right? Not your knee or your ankle, right? But the bottom line is, if you have a question, go see your healthcare provider. I mean, that's what we're we're there for. Um, you know, if you're you're not not sure, the best thing is to make sure to check it out. But yeah, that that's classic. It's it's the calf that usually is what's swollen. Mm-hmm. All right, we have another caller on the line. Good afternoon. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Dale Cox. Hey, Dale. Thank you for calling. Dale, what is your question for Dr. Eves? Well, I, I blacked out in the kitchen and fell and broke my left arm. <clears throat> I went to the VA and VA admitted me. And while I was in there, my I'm diabetic and my blood sugar usually runs high. So they, they asked me if they could give me insulin, and I declined for a day or two, but eventually I agreed, and they gave me two shots of insulin. Uh, I was in the hospital three days, and both my feet swole up. I couldn't get my shoes on. Then they released me to heal on my own, my broke arm, and about three days later, swollen and my feet went down but my feet have been numb ever since and that was about a year and a half ago and my feet still numb to this day and my, like I said my blood sugar usually runs in the 300s well just based on so the I, fact that you have uh, uh, you know absolutely have diabetes and, and many times it's been poorly controlled you absolutely uh, should uh, you know have cursory Evaluation. I mean, your your goals would be get your cholesterol under control. You need to know what. Excuse me, your diabetes under control, but you also need to know what your cholesterol level is to get that under control. Get your blood pressure. If you're smoking, you need to stop that. And it absolutely would be uh, reasonable to get a, a ultrasound on your lower extremities to see if you have any peripheral vascular disease. No doubt, for sure. And uh, I know for a fact I uh, have some, some people that I, that I worked with, went to school with over at the VA in cardiology that uh, should you have an issue uh, with your vascular disease, uh, I believe you'd have some people that can help you out on that. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, I bought a, I bought a uh, foot vibrator recently, and it's helped. Well, good. It, it's actually got a little feeling right. back in my feet. You most likely, what you're describing, although you should have the other evaluations, what we mentioned before uh, was uh, the neuropathy. Mm-hmm. And so, again, well, take, uh, the main I, thing yeah, that you I need to do is, with your sugar, 
being what it is and your nerve problem being what it is, every day you need to examine your feet and uh, make sure that you don't have any wounds developing on your feet. And if you do, you need to let somebody know sooner rather than later. All right. Well, th thank you so much for calling. We appreciate you guys calling and, and getting your questions answered. And overall, what can we do to reduce our risk of having peripheral vascular disease? Well, again, uh, you know, a lot of things that we don't want to do. Some are, some are easy and some, <laughs> some are a little bit out of our control and some of them are not. You know, what, uh, what is under our control is our diet. Uh, you know, obviously, just like the, I do want to mention too, peripheral vascular disease, because it's an arterial disease, it has a high overlap of also having coronary disease, the blockages in the heart arteries or carotid disease, blockages in the arteries of the neck, which can cause stroke. They all share uh, similarities uh, on their risk factors. So if we smoke, we need to quit smoking, period, end of story. It's a high risk. Uh, diabetes. Um, need to follow our doctor's instruction according to our diet, take our medication, try to get our diabetes under Check control. Check our feet. Check our feet. Yep. Uh, cholesterol, we need to know what our cholesterol profile is. We need to diet, exercise, medication, whatever we need to do to get that under control. And uh, exercise. Good, good advice there. And tell us how people can reach you if they have any additional questions. Well, uh, I'm at Willis Knight in Cardiology. Uh, I've got a lot of partners. My, my personal office is uh, Willis Knight in Bossier. Um, you can look on the website. You can look in, we don't, well, we don't have yeah, phone books I saw, anymore. Yeah, I saw so. your, your profile set up there, so that's a great way to contact you. And thank you so much for thank joining for us today. Me. It's been fun. and been fun for me, too. Absolutely. Thank you for watching this edition of Helpline. Have a great day.